Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Cards on the Table MMA podcast, episode, what is it, six now? And it's coming towards the end of the year here. We're slowing down a bit. Again, there were no cards this week. We'll talk about Wilder versus Ortiz 2. Um, and what I was going to do today was talk about the 165-pound division, or a potential 165-pound division, and the implications that would have, specifically throughout the lightweight and welterweight divisions. But this week was an insane news week. Tons of fight announcements and stuff. And also it's Thanksgiving break. It's Thanksgiving, so we're just going to get in, get out. I'm, I'm, I'm going to upload this at kind of a weird time, but i got to fit it in. I hope you guys are visiting family, or at least visiting who you consider family and with people who love you. And yeah, we're just going to get into it. So we'll start with Wilder versus Ortiz, the rematch. And I don't watch a lot of boxing. I'll talk about big fights like this because Wilder is one of the bigger draws in the sport right now. But this it was a very typical Wilder fight. I've watched his highlights. I don't think I've ever watched a fight except his fight with Tyson Fury, the last one last year. And But he was definitely losing, which I guess is a pattern. But then he gets a knockout in the seventh round. I mean, his right hand is just... Something is weird with the way he throws it because he doesn't even really load up. He just kind of throws a right straight and it hits Ortiz in the forehead and he just crumples and he never gets back up. Just insane. And the first bit of fight news of the week, again, there will be a lot today, um, was Wilder versus Fury 2 has been set for February 22nd. So that's pretty exciting. Uh, no location yet, but it will most likely be in America because Fury seems to be really pushing that. He really wants to be be a big name in America. And he already kind of is. I mean, any heavyweight boxing champ is going to have some degree of pull. There was a Bellator card over the weekend, Bellator London, but I just wanted to say fuck Scott Coker and fuck Michael Venom Page because a guy in Michael Venom Page who looked competitive against a world-class fighter in Douglas Lima and is very competitive against someone like make, he makes Paul Daly wrestle him. Paul Daly's a good fighter. He's past his prime. But I don't know. It's just very disappointing to see MVP do good against good competition. I mean, Douglas Liam is probably a top 10 welterweight in the world. Top 15 for sure. And he's dangerous, obviously. And Michael Van Page, he didn't look like a world beater. I mean, he got taken down and held down. But he also survived because Liam is pretty good on the ground. But didn't really get any ground and pound off. MVP showed some really strong wrist control. And again, you never really know how long it's going to last throughout a fight. But he looked competitive, and he shouldn't be fighting guys. I don't know about this opponent. I don't even know his name. But the last guy he fought before this was like 4-1. and one. And a guy in MVP who's had, I don't know how many fights he's had, to be honest with you. But he shouldn't be fighting a new fighter. He should be fighting a top 15 Bellator welterweight. Because he's competent, but Scott Coker always does this shit. And I don't want to bring too much attention to it. We're just going to move on and get into some more fight announcements. So we'll stick with Bellator real quick because Michael Chandler versus Benson Henderson. The rematch was announced for December 29th. That's a great fight. Both guys probably not in their prime anymore. Definitely not Benson Henderson. But they're still very competitive. Two of the better fighters in Bellator, I would say. Michael Chandler's been kind of iffy. He's been very injury riddled. And he's definitely on the juice, but... Hey, he's fun to watch, so who cares? And obviously the big news is 
Habib versus Tony is set for April 18th. Holy shit, it's happening. Maybe. We can't get too excited because we got got four times already. And I'm being very reserved. I'm not investing too much into it. I will not be excited until they are both in the octagon and have touched gloves and are advancing towards each other with no ref between them. That is the only time I will allow myself to get excited for this fight. But holy shit. Um, you know it's real because Habib opens up at a minus 240 moderate favorite. But Tony's at about 190. And honestly, that's about what I expect. I'd be more, I'd be surprised if it does. The line doesn't shift to about minus two seventy five for Habib, maybe plus two twenty for Tony, maybe plus two ten. It's Habib's just an animal, and I don't know. We'll we'll obviously talk about this fight as April eighteenth comes closer. I don't know what the venue is for April eighteenth. To be honest with you, it's probably Las Vegas. But yeah, that's this is the fight. This is what we've been waiting for, man. And again, don't get too excited yet. You have to wait for them to both be in the octagon together. But holy shit. If Tony cuts Habib, we will at least see that he's human. And that's all I care about. I just want to know it's possible. And of course, the other huge fight announcement was Jones versus Reyes confirmed. I forget the card. I don't. It was, I think, the February card. There, the UFC is still being kind of shifty if there's going to be a UFC card, not just fight nights in January, because I think Connor was supposed to headline a January card, but maybe there's some fuckery going on with that. Who knows with Connor? We're not, you'll notice I don't talk about him because he's A, he's a dick. <laughs> he's a fucking asshole. But also because I'm sick of fucking him on Twitter, just saying shit after every fight. And I think that's what people are really, that's, that seems to be the general consensus. There will always be those horrible Connor fanboys. Anyway, we'll talk about Jones versus Reyes. It's a good fight. I believe Jones is the minus 400 favorite, with Reyes being plus 300, something like that. I'd say that's about right. I'm surprised it's not a little bit closer, to be honest with you. I wouldn't be surprised if it didn't shift closer, so Jones doesn't go to like minus 350 or something like that. I mean, every Jones fight, you just wait for him to, for it to happen, you know? We'll see. Dominic Reyes, he's dangerous, man, and... He's sort of like Thiago Santos in a way. He'll have his knees, hopefully. If Thiago Santos had those knees, man. And we're going to talk about Jones later. We have two. We have a WADA story and then a USADA story as well. Both those both companies released new regulations, so we'll go into those. But we're going to get through these fight announcements first. You have Dan Hooker versus Paul Felder is going to headline UFC Auckland, New Zealand on February 23rd. It's a great fight. I think that fight makes a lot of sense for both guys. They're pretty similar in ranking, and they're both coming off losses, I believe. No, Hooker just knocked out Vic. I believe that was his last fight. Felder just beat Barbosa. So both, yeah, I say they're about in the same range in the division. And then whoever wins this fight will fight the top seven. Whoever loses this fight will fight someone maybe the 13 through 12 range, 13 through 9 range, somewhere in there. So this is a great fight. It's going to be a bloodbath, hopefully. Hooker's tough as hell, and he throws. He throws. (laughs) He sits on everything with pretty crisp movement and boxing. Felder is always fun to watch because of those elbows. Yeah, it's a great fight, man. Um, Valentina Shevchenko's getting another title defense. Another win for her. (laughs) I wrote title defense. Technically, it's a title fight, but we we all know what it really is. Um, Derek Lewis versus Iler Latifi. This is going to be Latifi's heavyweight debut. He is going to be full cube shaped. It's going to be fucking crazy. 
he just lost to someone at light heavyweight. I don't remember. Oh, Vulcan Uzdemir. That's who it was. Yeah, he just got knocked out by Vulcan Uzdemir. Which, again, there's no shame in that. Vulcan Uzdemir is a great fighter. He's a top 10 light heavyweight. But it shows you really... He's a gatekeeper. He's, if you beat him, you can be a top 5 light heavyweight. If you don't beat him, you're never going to be a top 5 light heavyweight. So I think the move makes sense, though he is going to be really small, especially compared to Derek Lewis, who's a big boy. Derek Lewis is one of the larger heavyweights who's not just fat. I mean, Derek Lewis has body fat, but he's apparently he's been losing weight, which is good. I know he had a lot of back issues, and that was supposed to help with that. So yeah, I mean, I think this is a knockout win for Derek Lewis, but we'll see. There's just, when you fight Derek Lewis, you have to fight a perfect fight, basically. It's like Deontay Wilder, right? Where he has that saying where you have to be perfect 12 rounds. I only have to be perfect for like one second. I only have to hit you with one punch. And that's it. And that's kind of the case with Derek Lewis. But yeah, you also had Anthony Pettis versus Diego Ferreira. Pettis is back at lightweight. And I actually thought this he was not going to come back to lightweight. I thought he was done. Um, but he's back. And he's going to be a pretty big lightweight. And this is, it's a, I'd say this is a pretty big step down in competition given his last three fights were Tony Ferguson, Stephen Thompson, and Nate Diaz. But Ferreira is a good fighter. He's on the come-up. He's on a five-fight win streak right now. He, so I watched a few of his fights. He has great cardio. He, and he's kind of like a... I don't know. The way he fights kind of reminds me of Eddie Alvarez. It's not the same, but I don't know, just the vibe I get. Again, technically, he's not the same, but just kind of the general. Or more like an RDA, to be honest with you. He's, he's kind of like RDA. But he's hittable, and he does get hit, and he gets dropped in a few of his fights against not-as-good competition. But he seems does seem to recover quickly. I think the cardio kind of factors into that. Interesting thing about Anthony Pettis is his last nine fights, this is how the results have been. Lose, win, lose, win, lose, win, lose, win, lose. So he's due for a win here, so bet the house. Uh, but in all seriousness, what I could see happening in this fight is Fajera getting hurt, Pettis going hard for the finish, maybe in the second round, and expending way too much energy, and then Fajera kind of coming back. So I could see Pettis winning the first round, second round could go either way, and then the third round will probably be Fajera, if it's not a stoppage win. I don't think this is the main event. I don't even know what event this is on, to be honest with you. The UFC has been really weird about what events there are going to be. I think they're still shuffling things around, again, because there may be, be there may be a big UFC card into January that we don't know about yet. But even on their website, it's a lot of TBDs, of events, arenas. But yeah, I'm, this fight, if it's a five-round fight, which I don't think it will be because Pettis... What's his lightweight ranking? Let's see. I'm just going to Google this real quick. Real professional here. Looks like he's 11. He's number 10 in welterweight, 11 in lightweight. Okay. So... Yeah, this is a, I think this fight does make a lot of sense. At first, I was like, really, Pettis? I mean, he's just a big name, but he's not exactly on a hot win streak. He hasn't been on a hot win streak in his last nine fights. Um, Ray Borg is, will be fighting on the New Mexico card. And this was just announced today. Josh Emmett and Arnold Allen set for fight night 166 on January 25th. That's a great fight. Josh, Josh Emmett's always fun to watch. Lots of movement. And he's got that cannon of an overhand right. So yeah, that should be a good fight. We talked about last week, I believe. Sergio Moraes is cut. He's the guy who laid starfish on the ground. 
Yeah, I'm, I would have been surprised if he didn't get cut. I believe that was his third loss in a row, and he was showing no reason for the UFC to keep him around. Bye-bye. Um, last, second to last bit of news, we have Tatiana Suarez has complications from her neck surgery. Tatiana Suarez, featherweight contender who looks really dangerous, she, but she comes from a wrestling background, and all those wrestlers are just, their bodies are so, so fucked up. So yeah, she had neck surgery fairly recently. Her last fight was pretty competitive when a lot of people were expecting her to dominate. She still won, but she said her neck was just horrible. Her, she, like, I, I think something happened during the fight that re-aggravated it. And yeah, she had surgery after the fight, but I guess she's having complications. So there's, quote, no time no timetable for her return yet, which sucks. Because women's, uh, which one is it? What's 115? Strawweight, women's strawweight. I think I said that earlier, but I just forgot the word. Uh, women, she's a. It's always women's strawweight is by far the most exciting women's division, and it sucks that she's not around. But she'll be back. If assuming she's not too diminished, she will always be competitive because she always got that wrestling technique. And Chris Weidman says he definitely quote definitely wants to keep fighting, which is more disappointing than anything, and. He's lost five of his last six, and they were all losses by stoppage. And I believe in the win he got, he got dropped as well. So, I don't know. I just don't want to see if he does come back, which I don't want to see him come back. Same with Rockhold. Rockhold seems to be a lot more realistic about it, but he's also been murdered by Yoel. But then again, so is Chris Weidman. So, I don't know. I don't know what Chris Weidman's thinking. If he does come back, I don't want to see him fight another top ten. Again, these are not hot takes, but no one thinks Chris Weidman should be fighting I don't know, Glover Teixeira, even that is a dangerous fight, like a 40-year-old Glover Teixeira, I don't want to see that fight, he, so it's not clear whether he's going to stay at 205 or go back down to 185, to be honest, I don't know, I don't know what's better for him, Pro, I would say go back to 185, so you don't have to deal with as much power, yeah, that's what I would say, if you need to fight someone who's still good, I guess Jack Hermanson is probably his best option, but even that, I would not recommend that. I just want to see him fight like a Brad Tavares. I think I saw that on r slash MMA. Someone said Brad Tavares. I think that fight makes a lot of sense. Someone who's like a fringe top 15 fighter in either division. Not Johnny Walker, though. I, I think Johnny Walker called out Chris Weinman. Don't take that fight, Chris. Please, we do not want to see you rolled out of there in a coffin. So yeah, now we're going to get to the two somewhat large stories. Um... New WADA regulations, the World Anti-Doping Agency, for athletes popping in competition for recreational drugs. So previously what the rule was, uh, also recreational substances are cannabis, so weed, opioids and other narcotics, and stimulants. So like John Jones cop popping for cocaine, for example. Or Nate Diaz, or Nick Diaz rather, was the most famous example. Got a five-year ban for smoking weed, which is just... So ridiculous. And he never really got, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, repentance for that. He never got anything back for that, which is really shady. I don't blame him for not wanting to fight again. Just that whole experience. Um, so previously, what the previous rule was, if you, out of competition, I believe, was okay. They might slap you on the wrist for, like, three months. But if you're not in, if you're not training for a fight, chances are you don't have a fight within the three months anyway. So it's not a big deal. Um, but if you were in camp and you pop for steroids, 
most of the time your fight would have to get moved or just canceled outright because you would get suspended. But now, what, so I read the article here, and what I believe is athletes are allowed to have metabolites for, recreation, quote, recreational substances as long as they can prove the, ju- the drug was ingested out of competition. So let's say weed, for example. THC metabolites can stay in your body for a month or more. If you have trace amounts of THC metabolites and you're a week out from a fight, but you can point out, hey, last time I smoked was a month ago, then they say they'll have a reduced sentence or even have it raved, waived outright as on the stipulation that you complete a drug education and awareness program. So basically, you either take a reduced sentence of a month, or if you watch this video, which is, I'm assuming is what will happen most of the time, then you can go ahead with your fight anyway. And I think this is a great step in the right direction. I think most people think this is way overdue, frankly. And yeah, I agree with this wholeheartedly. I don't think people should really be regulated on what they put in their bodies as far as recreational drugs. I'm not saying I'm not advocating for steroid use at all. I think you have to pick one or the other, which we'll get into later. But one potential issue I found with this that could come up is certain commissions not following these guidelines. For If the commissions are harsher, um, the Texas Commission comes to mind, for example. The Texas Commission still has penalties for positive cannabis tests and if you've ever been to Texas, that ain't going to change anytime soon. And yeah, I th- overall though, I think this is a great step in the right direction. WADA is obviously the worldwide one, so this is going to have ramifications not just for USADA, which is the United States Anti-Doping Agency, but worldwide. So yeah, I think this is a great thing. And this is also going to apply to Olympic testing as well, because WADA does the Olympic testing. So yeah, overall, I think this is a great, this is a great step forward. And then our last bit of news for today is new USADA rules, again, United States Anti-Doping Agency, for tainted supplements. So the so from USADA, USADA's camp, what they've been saying is ever since testing has gone, become so accurate, we've had issues that haven't come up before. And we've seen this a lot, actually. We saw this with Nate Diaz, the most famous case was John Jones, where athletes are testing for steroids or steroid metabolites but below threshold levels so uh, so let's just take a random story steroid like osterin they will have a cap like say 100 picograms per milliliter of blood or something like that but if you what happens if you have 50 picograms because you still have it in your system but it's not what you define as the threshold so that became an issue. That became an issue with John Jones. Um, who's the welterweight? Neil, Jeff Neil, maybe was his name? I can't remember. Um, Nate Diaz, I believe that's what happened with him. They cleared him very quickly, suspiciously quickly. But anyway, yeah, that's been USADA's position. So either people are taking, they're either covering for the steroids, so they're just taking something that will block the steroids from coming up on the test or they get quote-unquote contaminated supplements which a lot of fighters are saying is bullshit i think michael bisping is a huge proponent of no you just you took steroids and you've been covering it up but i don't know again i'm not i'm not i don't, i'm not going to pretend to pretend to know anything about steroids i just read the, this article and yeah so this is this new policy i haven't actually said the policy i don't think it's gonna officially say 
as long as you're below this threshold. If you have 50 picograms of, of uh, osterin, but the threshold is 100, it's no questions asked. It's fine. So a lot of people don't like this. I'm, I don't really know how I feel about this. Oh, and for the other big change is there's a list of certified supplements from five approved substance identifiers that will, if you do test positive, you'll be granted immunity. So if you, if this substance is on the approved list and you can prove that you took that and then they find that the contaminated steroid was in there, I guess that's fine. I don't know, that seems kind of weird to me, but fine. And the new procedure goes into effect immediately and also applies to any open cases. So yeah, this, for example, like when John Jones fought Gustafson in the rematch, they had to remove the whole card because there wasn't something like this because they called it an adverse finding, I believe, which means, hey, you have steroids in your system, but it's not enough. So of course, the commission is going to say, hey, we should probably look into this more because if someone dies in the cage, it's going to be on us because we said, hey, he's allowed to fight even if he does have trace amounts of steroids in his system. Yeah, I don't know if this is the right way to approach it, but I do think this had to be addressed. We had a lot of quote-unquote contaminated substances issues. We've had it for a while. People like Frank Mir or Leota Machida have had this issue, but they were kind of just screwed over. And I don't know, man. I don't really don't know, really know what to think of this. It's also, if someone like John Jones can just keep, just don't dope too hard you know that's kind of what this is saying or just block it enough you know <laughs> like it's just be smart about how you dope basically and yeah just keep your metabolites below a third threshold and you'll be fine uh and it's probably no coincidence that this is announced the same week that a john jones fight is announced but whatever it's fine and yeah i think that's going to be it for you for this episode you guys I know this is a quick one, but go spend time with your family. Go spend time with people you love. Have a great Thanksgiving. And hey, if you like the podcast, subscribe on Spotify, Overcast, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you're watching. Again, I'm on most platforms. Share it with your friends. If you really enjoy the podcast and you want to go above and beyond, leave a review. Stitcher, especially iTunes. If you do listen on iTunes, please leave a review. It means a lot. It means a lot for the podcast. And yeah, um, I'll be back next week. And yeah, I'll see you guys soon. Have a great weekend. Have a happy Thanksgiving. If you're not in the U.S., have a great weekend. And I will see you guys soon. Peace out.